He just, he's just really good. I appreciate his grace. This is truly a house of grace and a house of blessing. I want you to know that there aren't very many churches that have anointed preaching like we have it here at this church. We have anointed preachers that have a share a great word of God. Tonight, I feel like almost uh, uh, kind of awkward because of the message Cindy had shared last Sunday. And my goodness, what a powerful word. And, and amen, praise the Lord. Pastor Micah had preached uh, uh, previously too and how God has greatly used him in the word. Where the house is just filled with great preachers. And so many times I think Christians just take things for granted. We just think it's here and it's just here and it's always here. But many things in life, if you, if you miss out and it's no longer here, you suddenly miss it. So I want to encourage you to take every opportunity to celebrate the Word of God. This is why we're here tonight is to celebrate the Lord and to celebrate His Word. You can turn with me and be prepared to go with me to John's Gospel, chapter 11. This account in Scripture is really dear to me. I've been going through the book of John. Cindy had preached last Sunday in a, a previous couple sessions with lunch with Pastor. I had covered that account of Scripture of the, of the uh, blind man healed at the Pool of Siloam and and how Jesus had healed him, but she brought out such an eloquent way of that passage of Scripture and that account, and I thank the Lord for it. And so John, we've been going through the book of John uh, with lunch with Pastor. It's on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 12 noon. I'll be doing it for a while. I don't know. I'm going to reassess the situation, see if people need a summer break, and then get back in the fall. We'll see. But right now, we're still in the book of John, and I can't get away from it. And tonight, we're in the book of John. And the reason why I believe this scripture is so important and so great and dear to us, we're in the season around approximately the time of when this miracle occurred in John chapter 11. And so we can relate, we need to relate to these verses of scripture and if Lee, if you wouldn't mind, eventually go to John 11. I'm going to eventually go to it. And we're just going to take it a little bit verse by verse, a little bit here and there and everywhere. If you can't, if I mess it up with you trying to keep it organized, then forgive me. But just be prepared in John chapter 11. How many here love Jesus Christ? Praise the Lord. Praise God. And I want you to join in with me in the celebration of God's word. Let's just pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, let this room be electrified by your presence and the anointing. For Lord, we can't do anything without you. Jesus, your ministry, you over and over again made it clear to the people that every word that you would say would be the words that the Father would give you to say to men and preachers today Lord we have nothing to say except you give it to us to speak it your word is true your word is from you and so tonight father I ask you that you just anoint me and help me tonight Lord in this midweek time and Lord that you may lift up your people in the name of Jesus Christ amen 
and amen. I'd like to share just a few moments with you and title this message, More Than Just Lazarus. More than just Lazarus. How many times we've read this in scripture and we've heard sermon upon sermon about the subject about someone or something and it's like, well, okay, well, yeah, I know about it. But I want you to know that everything in account in scripture is so anointed of God that this account, this miracle season that we're in right now, and how many here believe we're in a miracle season? My goodness, you go and just read about Passion Week and the days that, that happened before Passion Week, the last week of Jesus' ministry here on this, on this planet, that we find it was a moment-by-moment moment miracle after miracle and God healing, Jesus healing and doing miracles and raised the dead. This is something miraculous. Oh, yeah, we can't take it for granted. You just go to a viewing sometime and you go there and you be in that funeral home and suddenly that person were to wake up and be alive I'm telling you, there wouldn't be enough TV stations or channels that would not cover that story, and Fox would run it several times over and over and over and over and over again, and people would pull out their phones if they weren't scared to death and start videoing the fact that this person is alive. This account in Scripture is no different than that. This account in Scripture is no less than that. And so we need to celebrate tonight that when we look in the Word of God, how many here believe that this Bible is true? How many here believe that this isn't a Dr. Seuss book? This isn't a book of fairy tales or legends. This isn't even what you would call the ordinary history book. This is fact and truth. This book is alive. And everything that's recorded in this book is very much true and is very much alive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Maybe one day they'll create, we're such a visual people, maybe one of these days they'll create a video Bible where well, everybody goes through the scripture, but somebody would mess it up somewhere down the line. Hollywood's tried to do biblical stories, and they always just kind of mess it up because those who are producing it and those who are directing it don't even know the star of the movie, who's Jesus Christ. But more than just Lazarus, the purpose of the Gospel of John is to prove co conclusively that Jesus is the Son of God. And that all who believe in him will have eternal life. We know the author is John. You know, John, the son of thunder, the son of Zebedee, one of the sons of Zebedee. And we find here in Scripture, let me just say a few things here before we go and delve right into it. Lazarus is a central character and figure in John chapter 11. I know Jesus is the superstar, but Lazarus was maybe the co-star of the moment and the event. You know, he, he would win an Academy Award for being the co-star, though he didn't have very many lines to say. He just got up and he walked. Lazarus is a Greek name, Lazarus, which means God has helped. 
That's what the word, that's what the name Lazarus means. God has helped. Anybody in here, God has helped you? Anybody here knows what it is to be dead and now come alive in him? God has helped over and over and over again. So Lazarus, we can relate to you, bro, in a certain extent. We can relate because God has helped us. Lazarus's testimony symbolizes power over death, sin, and the grave. In 1 Corinthians 15, 55 through 57 in the Amplified Bible, the Bible says, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin by which it brings death is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory as conquerors through our Lord Jesus Christ. We shouldn't have any fear of death because through Lazarus, Christ showed that the resurrection indeed is real. Our lives should include taking risk for Jesus, for Christ and the gospel. How many here are willing to take a risk for Christ and the gospel? Listen, I'm telling you, you're not going to have to take very big steps. It's just going to be, if you walk, you're going to be taking a risk. You can lie down and be dead, but when you walk, you're going to take a risk. The moment you come out of that tomb, you're going to take a risk in the name of Jesus. And we find out historically in Scripture as we move further that not only did they plot and want to kill Jesus, they decide they suddenly decide they want to kill Lazarus. Kill him again. But I tell you, if they would have killed him in the streets, Jesus would have rose him, rose him up again, would have raised him up again if need be. When the Lord does something, he does it very well. Our life should include taking risks for Christ and the gospel, even against powerful oppositions. In 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 9, in the New Living Translation, we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. So therefore, the Apostle Paul, he mentions somebody in Scripture, Epiphanes. He said he was a risk taker. He was one willing to, to the very death in Philippians 2 and 30 to do the work of the Lord and to trust in God. Death is not an end, but it's a transition because of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, 6 through 8. So we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well, please, rather to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. This is, this testimony of Lazarus is a power, a power that was over tradition. Tradition makes the word of God void. There are people who are, who are saying that they're Christians, but only by tradition. And only by 
religious methods only because their family were Christians and their forefathers were Christians, but they're not being committed. They're just going through the Christian motions. They're just going through. The, they know good Christianese. They speak Christianese, but they don't know Christ. But the resurrection of Lazarus is a message and testimony of power over tradition. With tradition makes the word of God void and of no effect. Mark 7 and 13 in the Amplified Bible says, So you nullify the authority of the word of God, acting as if it did not apply because of your tradition, Jesus said, which you have handed down through your elders, and you do many things such as that. In Matthew 15 and 7 in the Amplified Bible, Jesus says, You hypocrites, play actors, pretenders, Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, This people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. But in vain do they worship me, for they teach as doctrines and precepts of men. Tradition will lead you astray. Tradition Jesus attacked and dealt with because according to tradition when the Jews believed and they believed so much in this tradition that you would think that there was scripture for it but there wasn't scripture for it but they had such a superstitious belief that when a person would die that they had upwards of three days that spirit would linger around and maybe eventually that person that spirit would go back into that body and that person would come alive that was tradition it wasn't scripture so you and I both know the account of Lazarus don't we Jesus waited four days before he reached Lazarus why because tradition will kill you religion is dead but when Jesus comes on the scene things come alive things that were dead are now alive because Jesus waited until Lazarus was like we say in Kentucky good and dead he was good and dead after four days he had a time schedule oh let me tell you God's time schedule is not our time schedule Many times we're finding the count of I'm going all over the place, but I'll eventually go to John 11. We'll read the scripture. How about that? Uh, many times we, we, we put in a request. We send out a signal, and we think that we're going to quickly get an answer, but the Lord doesn't answer right away. He doesn't seem to respond fast enough. It's kind of like, well, Jesus, I thought you understood. Hey, Lazarus is sick. Now, the funny thing about it was that they sent Jesus a word when he was with his disciples, and he was a day's journey away. He said that they, said, they sent a messenger and said, the one whom you love, Lazarus, is sick. Now, there wasn't a request in there. They just notified him because they knew that Jesus loved Lazarus and that Jesus loved those, his sisters. Lazarus' sister, Jesus loved them. And so they just put in the request. But somehow or another, Jesus just decides he's going to linger another two more days. He talks with his disciples, we'll go to in just a moment, and he lingers there, but then he doesn't show up until after Lazarus is good and dead and had been in the grave and been dead for four days. 
when he finally shows up. Don't be discouraged, saint of God. Aren't you glad? And I'm so glad that my God doesn't work on my schedule. Because me, I am limited. I only know what I think I need for the moment. I can only put some dates on a calendar. I don't see what tomorrow holds, next week holds. Uh, I don't know who I'm going to come in contact with and the people that are going to be around me and associate with me. I don't know what really my life is going to go from one moment to the next. And So why should I talk like I got it all figured out and it ought to happen with me and happen when I want it? But let me tell you, just because... Uh, there is a delay put on your answer doesn't mean it's been denied and the truth is this Jesus tells his disciples uh, that Lazarus is sick uh, but that God's going to bring glory through Lazarus uh, I'm telling you this you're waiting for God to do something for you 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 got God on a timetable saying God when is it going to happen Lord I need it right away it's got to happen this week something's going to happen whatever but the the Lord will say, no, I'm not going to meet according to your schedule. I'm going to bring a greater glory out of the delay because I'm going to show something greater to you than if it was that very request that you made. Hallelujah. God knows what he's doing. Why don't you and I just hand it over to him and quit being the schedule makers? And the agenda creators. And telling God how to run his business and his show. He's the only one that I know of who is omnipresent. One who is omnipotent. One who is everlasting to everlasting. One who was and is and always shall be. He's the past, the present, and the future. He's a great I am, the all-encompassing God. And because of that, don't you think we need to just kind of hand it over to him? When we do, things happen, don't they? Huh? Finally, when we get out of the way, then God can move in. Yeah, yeah. Amen. How many times God has had to tap us on the shoulder and say, <clears throat> you're in my seat. You're, you're in my seat. <laughs> we move, and when we finally move and put him in the place where he should be, and I'm telling you, honey, something that's very much alive is going to happen. Life is going to occur. Hallelujah. Deliverance for the unbelievers. The Jews didn't accept Christ as Messiah. Consequently, many influential people, both spiritual leaders and political leaders, lived in unbelief. It, it's the same way today. We got, we got gospel-talking politicians that will quote a scripture, read a scripture, and lie the next moment. Since when should we put our hands and all of our confidence in the hands of men? It must be in the hands of God. For God is not man that he should lie. He's 
not going to lie to us. He's going to be truthful for us, and he's going to be good for us. There ain't nobody on this planet that loves you more than God loves you and I. The letter Jesus received, the message Jesus received. Let me, let me finish this portion right now. Lazarus's testimony proved that Jesus is indeed who he says he is. And many believe on the account of this. In John chapter 11. You can go to verse 1. We'll just start and roll on with. Jesus' public ministry is over. And now he's concentrating on his private ministry. We find in John's gospel that many times Christ is speaking in the temple. And every time, at least two times, people picked up stones to stone him. But, but like Cindy was preaching about the, the blind man there and Jesus found him. You know what Jesus did? His life was threatened. And like if all of us, if our life was threatened, we'd get real far away to a good little safe place, you know. Like, you know, uh, if you're threatened here in Gallup Police, maybe you'd make a trip out to maybe, well, it's time to go to Virginia Beach. You know, I need to go to the beach. But Jesus, he didn't do that. His life was threatened and he finds a side street and he finds this man who's blind. And, and what he, he says, I must do the work while it's still day. And he says, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. So what did Jesus do? He found a need while his life was being threatened. He's right there doing ministry. Why? Because he's going to get the crowd. He's going to get the note. People are going to see what he can do through another man. Through another man. Do you see what I'm talking about here? God's wanting to show himself through another man. Through a, uh, through a woman, through a man. God's wanting the gospel to go out through somebody else. Amen. Uh, I'm telling you, there are pastors across this nation that are trying to get people to see that they're shepherds, but they're not sheep. And that if sheep are going to be brought into the kingdom, it will be sheep who beget sheep. And that God is not wanting to use the shepherd in that way, but he's wanting to send a man and a woman who once was blind, but now they see a man and woman who was maybe in dead in a tomb and now been resurrected. He wants to show the world that he's going to work through people, not celebrities, not superstars, but by you and I and all of us in this room. Hallelujah. I'll tell you why. I don't know why a Christian wouldn't want to be bold now. I'm not talking about an argumentative Christian. I'm talking about a Christian who has found the truth and living in the truth and ready to let their light shine before men. Remember, you don't have to walk very far and you're going to face the enemy. But that's okay. All to the glory of God. So now Jesus is centering on a more of a private ministry. He centers on individuals. And he's no longer reaching out to the nation of Israel as a whole. He's reaching out to people and individuals. The raising of Lazarus from the dead occurred between the Feast of Dedication and Passover.
Passover, which would sometime be between December and April. In other words, Hanukkah under Passover in between that time. That's, that's where they, you won't find the Feast of Dedication. If you tuned in to lunch with Pastor, you would have found that out, that the Feast of Dedication is actually Hanukkah. It's not even in scriptures. It's not even under the law. It was with the Maccabees and, and what they did. And so Jesus was there during Hanukkah. Well, praise the Lord. I don't know if you can make a sermon out of this, but Christians ought to go to church on Christmas time and Easter. I mean, come on. It's, Jesus did. All right, here we go. The supreme question is this. Can Jesus raise the dead? The big question in any religion concerns death. Death is a great mystery. And life is a great mystery, but life is practically meaningless if there's no resurrection of the dead. The question I ask of any religion is whether it has power over death. We do. Oh, uh, can, can somebody give me a praise of the Lord tonight? We do. We have power over death through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. The gospel tells us of three incidences of Jesus raising the dead. There was a 12-year-old girl who had just died, and she was a juvenile. She was young. Then there was the category in Scripture where Jesus stops a funeral procession there, and he raises up a young man whose body been, was being carried to the cemetery. Oh, my. And then there was Lazarus. Lazarus possibly could have been a senior citizen who had been dead for four days, and he'd been buried. Do you understand why I'm saying? It's Jesus working in generations, in every generation. The teens next door, they need to realize that they have a risen Savior, and there's resurrection power through him. There's life through him. The children's church, the teen ministry, the young men, the men's ministries, women's ministries, and the seniors' ministries, all generations being represented to understand that we are enjoying the benefits of a resurrected Lord, of who Jesus really is. Now, I don't want to be too technical here, but I want you to think about this. I've thought about this for a moment. Moment or two, few. Allow me to be sort of technical with you right now. Would that be all right? I'd like to be technical and say that all these people, they were raised from the dead, but they were not resurrected. They were raised from the dead, but they were not resurrected. They were not resurrected. Resurrected, but, but rather it was a restoration to life. Because in 1 Corinthians 15, 42, 44, you don't have to find these places, Leah. I'm getting to John eventually. I'm there. I've been there. I tiptoed through it a little bit. Now I'm, you know, I'm going to return. Just hang in there because, hey, how many here know the Scripture is connected to Scripture? 
account is, is according to account. Theology is throughout this. This is a book, a living book of theology and truth. A God book in 1 Corinthians 15, 42 through 44 says, tells us that that resurrection is it's sown in corruption and it's raised in incorruption. It's sown in dishonor and it's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness and it's raised in power. It's sown in a natural body, but it's raised in a spiritual body. These people were raised from the dead, but none of them were given glorified bodies. They all had to face death again. While our Lord used, Jesus used different methods of healing, where he spits in the mud and makes dirt and makes dirt where the, I'll never forget that one, Cindy. That was good, where he made dirt where the, where the beggar was, where the blind man was. He got down to his dirt and, 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 and worked there, but he spat him, made dirt, and put it on his eyes. And man had to go wash and pull Salome. He used that method. One case, he went and touched, put his uh, fingers in the ears of a man and touched a man's tongue. It was deaf and, and, and dumb, un, unable to speak. And Jesus healed him over and over again. You know the difference. Jesus would just speak to him, you know, rise up and take your bed, you know, because you're healed. Or someone touched him of his garment and, and virtue flowed out of his clothes out of his prayer shawl into the very body of that woman with the issue of blood. Many, many different occurrences and methods Jesus used to heal, do the miracles of healing. His method of raising the dead was always the same. He called to them and spoke to them as if they heard him. Come on now. Three accounts of scripture, he raises the dead. And all he did, he speaks to them. He calls them. Yeah. Because he speaks a word, and the word is alive. And with his commanding authority, he speaks. Because even at Lazarus' tomb, he didn't pray for Lazarus. He was there after he got word about Lazarus being sick, and he delayed appearing to Bethany and waited. You know what Jesus was doing? He was praying. Because the Bible says that when he got to the spot and there he was at the tomb and the stone was moved away, that he stood there and people were listening. And what did he do? He just thanked the Lord for hearing his prayer. Hallelujah. Woo! Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that those around will see your glory. And what did he do? Lazarus, come forth. He spoke. And Lazarus came out, and he was alive. Mm -hmm. Oh, why couldn't he do that? He spoke the worlds into existence. Why couldn't he just raise up an old dead body, make it come alive, make that person come alive? When he appeared, I don't think we're going to John, but I'm just going to refer to it. Go, and re go home and read John chapter 11. Read it carefully. And find yourself in the message in each verse, because there is one. There is one, and I guarantee you, you'll find a message for you in one of those verses in chapter 11. Because it's so powerful, it's so powerful. And there Jesus, he goes and he gets to the, to the tomb. I don't even remember what I was going to say. Someone tell me what I was saying before I said, go read it for yourself. You remember it, Mike? 
Yeah, that God would be glorified. Oh, the Lord spoke the word, and it happened. Why couldn't the Lord raise up someone? Oh, by the way, when he shows up, and you know the account. How many of you ever read the account before? I don't have to go verse by verse. You, you know, you know. And shame on you if you don't go home and read it. It's your homework. It's your assignment. I'm going to text you and ask you, did you read it? I'm just kidding. But really, I'm so determined. I'm, I, it's so good you don't want to miss it. When he shows up and he tells Martha, Martha runs to him when he hears Jesus finally appearing. It's been four days and Jesus now appearing. And Martha runs to him first and goes to him first. He's not even there yet completely. And she reaches him. And she said, Master, if you've been here, I know my brother would have lived, you would have healed him. I'm kind of paraphrasing it. Isn't, isn't it incredible that Mary, when she ran up to Jesus after Martha, she ended up saying the same thing? You know, I can imagine what the conversation was in their house after they sent the message to Jesus, and they're waiting. Is he coming? Is he coming? Oh, surely he's going to be here today and a day passes well you know I'm sure he's on his way I know the messenger but let me go to that verse of scripture when the messenger goes to Jesus look what something I realized and never realized before Jesus told him something Jesus gave an answer oh lord pray to my glasses don't pray if not I'll have to spend another five bucks here we go Hey, yeah. Glory to God. Verse 3, chapter 11. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. There's a lot to have confidence and know that God loves you. Do you know? I mean, no, you can face anything if you know you're not facing it alone. And Jesus loves you. He cares for you. There's great power and assurance in that. You need to wake up every morning, look in the mirror and say, Lord, I'm so glad you love me. You love me. I love you, Lord. I know often we say that, but we need to declare and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you love me. Of course, if you read the word of God, you'll find out he loves you. Most of the time, people feel like God don't love them. Is the, the problem's been they haven't been in the word of God. They've forgotten how God really feels about them. It's been a disconnected relationship. But the Bible will reassure you and let you know that the Lord loves you. And so here, but Lord, behold, the one whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death before the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, who did he say that to? Now, he may have said to the disciples, but I think the messenger heard it. And the messenger had to go back and tell these women this. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said, this sickness is not unto death. This sickness is not unto death. This sickness is not unto death. That's a declaration this hour. Actually, a matter of fact, back in March of last year, people, Christians, needed to declare that. Say, this sickness is not unto death. Not under death, the Lord's going to heal. It's not under death. It's not under death. 
You hold fast to the words of the master. You hold fast to the promises of the Lord because they're yes and they're amen. Hallelujah. Jesus said heaven and earth will pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Promises wear out. Promises get old. But this promise is eternal. Why? Because the one who said it is eternal. He's not going to have a funeral. No, no. They tried giving him one. And it didn't, it didn't, it didn't work. He's, Jesus is the only one that borrowed the tomb. And after he died, he got up and he gave the tomb back to the person whom he borrowed it from. He's the only one that's ever done that. So they held on to that. They held on to that. Kept telling each other to talk in the house. Jesus said, the sickness is not in the death. Well, it didn't happen that way, Pastor. It didn't happen the way that we interpreted, the way, way we thought. But see, he said, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. You know, and like Paul Harvey said, and now you know the rest of the story. Some of you used to listen to radio. Paul Harvey, the rest of the story. Now, I'm going to have to close here in just a moment. Now, Mary and Martha, they kind of say the same thing when they go up to Jesus. It's because they've been talking to each other for quite a bit, and they kind of would say the same thing. Why ain't Jesus here? He said, I know, I know. They probably said to each other, I know if he showed up that, that Lazarus would live. He's going to live because... Anytime Jesus is going to show up, well, it, sometimes it don't work that way because there's something much more marvelous he's going to do. Something much more glorious that he's going to do. Do you believe that? You know, you know, you know hey, I'm telling you, Jesus, give me the full course. I don't want the appetizer. Give me the glory. Give me what you're going to have for me, Lord. I don't, I don't want shortcuts. I want the, the full course. I want everything that you have for me. The greatest glory you can give God. I want to experience your glory. I want to experience your glory. Now. Uh, now I have. Now let's look into the experience of John chapter 11 verse 1. Well, why don't we just read it. And I'll just take it from there. Is that okay? Okay. Well, I, might, I might stop in the middle. Is that okay? Yeah, it is. Sure it is. As long as I still have time, I can do that. Let's go to John chapter 11. For those who probably may not read this when you go home, I'm giving you an out. I'm giving you an out. Well, I'll tell you what. I can be kind of modern kind of pastor and say, I tell you what, I'm going to read out a New King James Version. And since your Bible is probably not the New King James Version, you need to read it in your version. And those of you who have the New King James Version say, glory, hallelujah. Here we go. Are you ready? I sense the anointing. The word of God is alive. Now a certain man was sick, and Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary, oh yeah, that Mary, who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Oh man, we need some of that Mary's in the church. You know, that Mary. You know, not just Mary, that Mary. Therefore the sister sent to him saying, Lord, behold, whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, 
but for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Yeah, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let's go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you. You know, remember back in chapter 10? And stone you, and you're going there again? You know, practic you know, God never works in the practical sense. You know, he's God. He does what's needed. Jesus answered and said, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. Jesus is saying, hey, guys, God's lighting up the path. We got daylight. We're going to make it. We're not going to stumble in this. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not with him. Jesus was, in essence, saying, if God before us, who can be against us? So I'm going to fulfill God's will and his plan. These things he said, and after that he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. They still don't get it. They think he's sick and he's asleep. When one of them says, then, then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. He's he getting good rest, Lord. He's, he's going to get better. We don't really need to leave right now, do we, Jesus? I mean, he's doing pretty good. He's going to recover. He's doing great. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest in sleep. Hallelujah. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who called, who's called the twins, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. I want you to look at that differently. It's time we quit picking on poor old Thomas. Old Doubting Thomas. Jesus appeared before his disciples. Thomas wasn't there. But you know, and then it talks about his unbelief. Let me tell you, before Jesus appeared to his disciples, they didn't believe either. And, and it's probably because Thomas was so attached to Jesus that he was heartbroken that he was dead and gone. He just didn't want to be with anybody. That's why he wasn't there with them, why Jesus made a special appearance for Thomas. And so here Thomas says, he says, let us go and die with him there. In other words, Thomas isn't saying something foolish. Thomas is saying, okay, Lord, if you're going, we'll die with you. That's really what this is about. This isn't about like his, his weakness there. I'm going to defend Thomas, okay? Hey, Thomas gave his life for Jesus. He died a martyr's death. He preached the gospel. He wasn't all as, as popular as Peter and Paul, but he did a work that only Thomas could do. Then Thomas, who was called the twin, I already read that. Verse 17, so when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. So he arrives. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, in the neighboring town, neighboring place, right down the street, suburbs of Jerusalem. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. He was no doubt they were an influential family. And they had mourners that were paid. People who showed up to do nothing but moan. Oh, don't you love mourners? They always show up at the worst of times. 
you know, you're afraid to tell someone what your physical condition is because they're suddenly going to tell you how horrible it was for them or someone they love and their bad experience. Somebody say amen. Somebody stop me because I can't stop, okay? Oh, it's hard. So you're afraid to hear the higher story, so you just don't say anything about how bad about the, how sad about the body of Christ. I'm not talking about take up a whole service. Everybody want to take up time and tell everybody about the prayer request and take up 35 minutes and then only pray for two minutes. And some places are like that because they suddenly just want to advertise. I want to put out my advertisement. I want to post this out to the public. This is going on. It's not for the right cause. The right cause is that we might pray and seek the Lord. I've been to minister's prayer breakfast. And mostly it was breakfast. Very little prayer. Those guys were so dead in the Lord and so nominal in their faith. And someone believed them, so confused and think they're in the profession rather than a calling. And I sit there and here it is. Nice breakfast. Great breakfast. Good talks here and there. And then all of a sudden they give a little liturgical prayer. They read it off so everybody can read it. Nobody can sway off of the page and talk to Jesus personally. And there's nothing wrong with that type of prayer. It has its place. But when breakfast is longer than prayer, then you don't have a prayer breakfast. You have a breakfast prayer. Yeah, that's what it is, a breakfast prayer. And we all know how breakfast prayer is around our house. Lord bless us, we thank you very much. Thank you so much for all your blessings. Amen. Let's eat. Where's the coffee? All right, now let's get serious. I got to get back to John. In John chapter 11, it's life. Here we go. And many of the Jews had joined the women, Martha and Mary, to comfort them and concern their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus is coming, went and met him. But Martha was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would have not died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. I've always been hung up on verse 22 because we always want to say Martha has lost it. She just don't have any faith. But she's saying there are faith talk there. That whatever you ask of God, God will give you. This just doesn't seem visibly possible. But with God all things are possible. Hallelujah. Quit trying to see things. Start believing things. He says, but Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, and I want you to hear this, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? This is where the category of Jesus comes in. He's showing them that he's the life. By showing that he's the life is proving the fact he's also the resurrection. By bringing Lazarus back to life and giving him life, it assures us and you and I today that there is a resurrection. Now, why I say that is because Lazarus came out, they had to free him up, take the... The, the, the garb off of him and, and set him free and let him go free. 
They had to do that and was still old Lazarus. He probably was just the same age. Just can't account for it for four days. But when Jesus came out of the tomb, oh, it was magnificent. It was magnificent. Because when he told the Lazarus tomb to move the stone away, let me tell you, most of the people there, they were there to see failure. A lot of times the crowds will gather to see you at sporting events if there's an accident, somebody gets hurt, some, something terrible. You know, they're sightseers, they're looking, and they're all there and they don't believe. And then the audacious statement, Jesus says, and I'm, listen, I'm modifying this. Maybe you better read John 11. And he said, move the stone away. What a bold, audacious thing to do to move a stone away when there's a dead body on the inside that had, been, that had been decaying and smelling and was evident that there was a dead body in there. But what did Martha do? What did Mary? They had them roll the stone away. Now, I'm telling you, I can just imagine the disciples. They love it. When Jesus suddenly says to do something, they know by experience you just better do it. When Jesus said, now you take this boy's lunch and you make sure you pass around this multitude of people and feed them lunch right now, even though it was just two fish, two tiny sardines and five biscuits, and he prayed, he blessed it, and gave it to them, now go feed them. They knew that when Jesus said, go do it, do it. And when people do what Jesus tells them to do, they know that something miraculous is going to happen. They were probably watching and saying, oh boy, oh boy, can you just imagine what's going to happen here? They rolled that stone away. Jesus told them to roll the stone away. And sure enough, uh, he says, Lazarus! They, they heard him say, thank you, God! And then they heard him say, Lazarus, come forth! Can you imagine the disciples saying, he has done, he has reached the epitome, he has done the glorious, and Lazarus is alive! That's the way we all go to church. I'm going to church because something's going to happen. And Jesus says, I want to tell my people something if they'll listen. And if they'll listen, I'll do something miraculous in their presence. The scripture says, signs shall follow the believers. Maybe we don't have the signs because we don't have the believers. We're so mixed up whether or not we want to go to church this week or not. We're so undecided about, oh, I don't think I'll pray or read my Bible. I'm just so discouraged. I think I'm going to go do this. I need to get away. I'll tell you what you need. You need Jesus. You need the healer. You need the deliverer. You need the provider. You need God Almighty who is the resurrection and the life. They rolled the stone away. Lazarus came out. Well, what was different with Jesus when he rose up, they rolled the stone away so everybody can go in and see the empty tomb. For Jesus was glorified and he didn't need the stone rolled away. He was in his glorified body. He was resurrected. That's the difference. Jesus sealed the deal. That's why if we die, we know where we're going. 
That's why we go to the graveside and we know our loved one's there. They're not going to stay there because Jesus came out of the tomb. And Jesus declares to us tonight, I am the resurrection and the life. Oh, my. Can't you just feel the miracle vibe that's happening in the room right now? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Jesus. He is that way maker. He is that way maker. We don't have time for music. I've gone over time. I want you to stand up right now. But you know what? We don't need a song. We already have a song. We don't need someone to lead us in praise. We already got some praise. We were dead and now we're alive. We're walking in resurrection power right now. Hallelujah. 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 We serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Can you just lift your hands and praise and glorify? Amen. The resurrection and the life. The one who is the resurrector. The one who will raise us up. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, Lord, I want to follow your schedule. Oh, God, I want to follow your agenda, Lord. Lord, I want to surrender to you, Lord. I don't want to doubt you. I want to believe in you, Lord. I want to glorify your holy name because you are Lord. You are God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Lord, uh, those of you who are going through sickness right now, I just want you to lay your hand on your, on your chest right now. I'm not doing this because of COVID because I'll go get in your face and lay my hands on you if I want to. But I'm feeling of God, the anointing of the Holy Ghost. God just wants you to believe that you believe, you believe, you believe healing, healing, healing. Cancer, you're healed. Disease, you're healed. Anxiety, you're defeated. Depression, out the door with you in the name of Jesus Christ. I have Jesus the resurrection and the life I have Jesus the resurrection and the life hallelujah glory to God praise God praise God now you go out in the world you tell someone about John 11 go out in the world let old Mary and Martha know that the Lord may they might be delayed but they haven't been denied oh yeah believe God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'd jump as I could. I'll just do the preacher Pentecostal rock and sway. I'll fake it a little bit, but God knows my heart. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.